Test, test. Hey, there we go. Thank you, Tony. Yes. Thank you for my five fans I have in the room. Hello, everybody. We're getting ready to start church in here. I love the socialization and the fellowship. Let's keep fellowshipping, but let's turn our eyes on Jesus Christ and get ready for worship and, and have an exciting day in the house of the Lord. I got a few announcements I want to make. First things first, happy birthdays in the house for Silver Baker. Silver Baker, stand up so we can say happy birthday to you. Right over here. The lady that's screaming no is Silver Baker over here. So, so happy birthday, Silver. I think she's 25 or 30 or something like that. So wish her a happy birthday. You see her, make sure she feels special today. Operation Christmas Child, you see over here, we got Operation Christmas Child. These are some of the boxes that are being returned. Today is our last day of receiving those boxes. So if you got your box in the car or if you are close by and you want to go grab it and bring it back, here's the day where we're taking those boxes. This is the week where we have to turn them into the church. Now, if you happen to be like somebody like me that didn't have the box this morning ready, they are taking boxes all week long. This is the week they collect. So if you go to Operation Christmas Child and look at the website and search for locations, they'll show you all the different locations that you can turn your box in. We turn ours in at Calvary Baptist Church on Timberlake Road. So search because not only a location, but you want to know what time they are open to receive those boxes. So if you're like me and you didn't get them here today, you can still turn them in this week. Just find a location close to you. I know there's a location in Bedford. So find a location that's close to you and turn those boxes in. All right, so youth, who's, do we have any teenagers in the house? Any youth group in here? One. Sydney. Hey, Sydney, how you doing? My daughter's here somewhere. Bailey. I'm trying to embarrass my daughter. I love embarrassing my daughter, but I can't find her. Anyway, so youth group, there is youth group tonight. I know Jeremy's out because of his injury. But we have special speakers, all teenagers. Let your friends know we have special speakers coming uh, tonight and tomorrow, uh, next Sunday. So tonight we have a special speaker speaking for the youth group. So come, normal time, the weight room. Uh, we actually have a, a special game. Seth, stand up. Seth is a builder. And builders come up with some of the most interesting games. So all the carpenters in the house, there's special games that carpenters love to play. Well, youth, you get to play those games tonight. So we're going to have an awesome night tonight, special speakers. So come at your regular time. We also, for youth group, uh, Jeremy has planned out uh, to go to the Liberty football game this Saturday. So this Saturday is a big game at Liberty, uh, 1 o'clock. So if you're interested in going to the football game, oh, I found my daughter. She's in the back. Hey, Bailey, wave, everybody. I know you love me, yes. Um, but we have a football game, 1 o'clock this Saturday. So if you want to go, just let me or Angie or Seth or Sadie know uh, that you want to get a ticket to go to the game. We're going to meet together and have a great, uh, great time as uh, teenagers and leaders having fun at the football game. So that's this Saturday. Christy Van. Christy Van. Where's Christy at? She's back there working hard, doing a great job. She wanted to be announced. Tech team is in need of anyone who's willing to learn and help with setup of audio system. Learning the soundboard is a bonus, but it's not necessary. They have all these other speakers and stuff, so it's manual labor involved too. So if you don't know audio and video, that's okay. If you've got muscles and you got a desire to serve the Lord, come, come at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings and help them set up. So I'd love to have, especially people here that live in the forest area. Some people here year-round. 
So if you're here in the area and you want to serve and you want to get plugged in, and this is a great opportunity for, for teenagers too, right? So if you're a teenager and you want to serve the church, you're not too young to serve the church. You can come and help out with tech. You probably are smartest about electronics than anybody in the room. So come and join the tech team, serve the church, and be here on uh, Sundays at 8 o'clock. All right, so this is uh, a couple of the last things I want to share is uh, we, as a church, took a love offering. We took a love offering up for uh, Jeremy and Courtney in their situation. We also took a love offering up for Amy and Will Sandage in their situation. Both of them going through uh, tough times. And uh, I've talked to both of them this week. And, man, to, to be able to offer not only our prayers and our love and our support, but financially as a church to come along both of them and help them out. I just, when we were there with Amy and delivering the, your gift to her, she's like, oh, that's such a weight off of us. Uh, medical bills are, under, are okay because the insurance and deductibles are met. It's just the, the day-to-day bills, right? It's, it's what's really on, their, on their, the weight of their shoulders. And your gift helped them. And she, she thought about that. And she says, let them know that this really helps us a lot to know that you're here, not only just saying things that you're praying for us, you're physically helping us out. So she was grateful for that. And she, we were talking, and she, you know, she was a greeter here. And uh, she says, and I need to get well so I can get back to greeting again. So I told her, say, you know, one day we're excited for when you're going to step up. You'll be at the door greeting people as they come in because we know that's going to happen. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep trusting God, blessing Amy and her battle with cancer. Uh, just uh, uh, keep praying for her. Keep praying for the doctors. They're at UVA right now trying to get, uh, they're working with doctors at UVA trying to get um, a plan of uh, action. What can she take to help take care of this cancer? But prayers do make a difference. Throughout the week as I went to see her, there was tough days and your prayers made a difference. I promise you, her, she had great days. Days where she got up. One day I went in, I think last Thursday, I went to her room like I normally do. She wasn't even there. I'm like, where'd she go? Like the room has got her stuff in it. And she's uh, walking in the halls and talking to people and, and just uh, meet, you know, talking with family. So keep praying because it is making a difference. And so just uh, work with her. Um, Jeremy and Courtney, uh, uh, they sent a, a note here one that they want me to read to you. Uh, to our church family, we cannot thank you enough for all the calls, texts, meals, donations, and most importantly, prayer over the past few weeks as we have been going through a difficult time. It's been tough, but thankfully it's just a season. We are confident that the Lord will use this for good. The Lord is our strength and is carrying us through every moment of every day. We feel your prayers and appreciate your support. We look forward to getting back in church in the near future. Love, Jeremy, Courtney, and Harper Lee. So you guys are making a difference. I appreciate that. Uh, anybody in the church, uh, I've had people want to do yard work, so we've gotten people doing yard work for both of them. But if you want to do something for them, you have an idea, come see me. I'll help you. I'm the bridge between you wanting to serve the Sandwich family, you want to serve the Lee family, and I'll get you, I'll figure out how we can get you connected, how you have an idea of blessing them, and we'll, I'll get that to them, and we'll figure out how to get you plugged in. So, uh, but keep praying and, and looking for opportunities to serve. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for your blessings on us and how you watch over us. Even though we go uh, through uh, struggles and challenges, sometimes it's in those struggles and challenges that we see you even better. Because uh, we see your faithfulness. God, we, uh, we continue to lift up Amy Sandage to you right now. That you would just touch her body. That you would heal her. Give her strength. 
Pray for just her hemoglobin levels to go high, her oxygen level to stay strong, uh, and just pray that you would touch her body where the cancer is and you could remove that. Father, just strengthen her. Be with Will, her husband. Uh, be with Hunter, Sierra, and Autumn, her children. And just bless all the family that surrounds her, that supports her and encourages her. Give them strength um, and bless them. Provide for their needs, Father. And thank you as a church that we can be alongside them. And this is what church is. is we're a family that supports one another as we go through tough times. Father, we also ask that you be with Jeremy. He's going through uh, rehab, recovery from the fall, that you would just continue to watch over his body and strengthen him, uh, protect him. Uh, be with Courtney and Harper. Bless them as they surround Jeremy with love and support and encouragement and just help him to uh, go through the rehab process, to get into walking and using his elbow again. So just watch them and strengthen them and bless them, Father. We thank you so much for this family, this Impact Church family. We not only say that we are followers of Christ, but we live it out. We live it out by the way we share the gospel with the community, by the way we love one another. We thank you for that. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So glad to have you with us today in Worship Impact Family. Let's all stand together as we worship our Lord today.
we're thankful for the grace of our Lord. Amen.
sing is the song we introduced last week called Holy Forever. We serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we just want to continue worshiping Him today in His holiness. Thank you, Father.
just pray to the Father. Thank you, Father, for who you are. You're holy forever. And we thank you so much that we have this opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for your spirit that is moving among us today, Father. And Lord, we thank you for your awesome word that changes lives for your glory. And we thank you that we have this opportunity to be in your presence today, Father. Lord, I pray that as we worship you through your word, as we continue to worship you, Father, we pray that we'll be drawn to be closer to you. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Peace. Amen. Welcome, Impact Church. How's everybody this morning? All right. Good stuff. Good to see the house of the Lord filled and packed out and ready to dive into God's Word. If you're visiting with us, we like to say every week that we are so glad you're worshiping with us. And we don't just mean that as a slogan or as just a something kosher. We really, truly mean that because we know that God is leading people to be a part of what he's doing right here through Impact. So if you're visiting with us today, it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. It's for such a time as this. Right? So uh, we know and trust that if uh, God is leading you here, he'll anchor you here. So if you're uh, searching, shopping, and stopping at churches, we hope this is your last stop and your last shop. The Lord would anchor you and your family here and uh, be a part of what God's doing. Uh, if you're looking for a church that preaches God's word unapologetically, doesn't leave holes in it, doesn't sugarcoat it or water it down, you're in the right place. So welcome to Impact Church this morning. And uh, keep in prayer, um, people that we've been praying uh, for and with, and people that are part of our church body that are hurting in, in some ways. Of course, Jeremy and uh, everything that he's been going through and in the healing process. Uh, Amy Sandage, uh, who we prayed for um, last week, still needs prayer and in the hand of God. So I know many of you have been reaching out to her and uh, praying over her and whatnot. So uh, also uh, Connor Campbell, who a uh, young man who had a traumatic brain injury there a few weeks ago in a motorcycle accident. He's been uh, shifted to Georgia uh, for intense rehab. So be in prayer for him and his family if they make that transition. And then also another uh, person to pray for, uh, Nicole uh, Cook, here in the church, going through some treatments at UVA for a medical condition, plus many, many more. I could, go, I could probably go on. A lot of people that here in the church are going through some things or have extended family going through some things. So be in prayer um, for those who need it and uh, continue to reach out uh, as a church to help these people as well. So um, also, a uh, building video that we wanted to play the end of last week, we'll play at the end of today, okay? So if you want to see that, kind of the progress that's going on, we're going to play that at the end um, where we did not get to do that last week. And then uh, getting started here, a, a proper um, uh, 
intro to our message today as well as we look to talk about and see an example of courage and sacrifice. We want to honor our veterans here today. We know that yesterday was Veterans Day, and so we wanted to take this opportunity to honor and to recognize and thank those of you who have served in our armed forces, um, both men and women in years past, and you are a veteran, and I thought it would just be proper as such to, to honor those of uh, you that are currently serving in, in some capacity as well today. So let's watch uh, this video here, and then we want to take a chance to recognize those of you who have served. Amen. Our freedom is not free. It comes with courage and sacrifice. So for those of you who are here that have served in any of the armed forces uh, of the past, and you are a veteran for uh, the United States military in any way or capacity, would you please stand? Amen. All right. Just remain standing. And then if there's anybody in here, and I know you're not a veteran yet, but if you currently serve in any capacity of the military, will you stand and join them? Currently. All right. Amen. We thank you for your service to our nation and the example of sacrifice that the Lord has given to serve others and put others above yourself. Thank you very, very much. All right. So great example here leading into this because we're going to see as we continue on our sermon series here in Esther a tremendous example of courage and sacrifice and laying down one's life potentially for the life of others, right? So we're going to see Esther do that here this week. We know in chapter 4, we know that she got the, uh, the motivating call from Mordecai, right? He said, what if the Lord's brought you through all this and put you here in this place for such a time as this? He said, if you'll be silent, man, the Lord's faithful, He's going to bring salvation to his people from another way. But what if, what if, what if God's put you through all this? He's given you favor and missed the unfavorable because he wants to do something in you. He wants to use you in such a way that he's positioning you to make a stand. And we had that message last week, and God really used it, and God moved. And we talked about having yes on the table. What's God calling you to? And we had two people surrender their life to full-time missions ministry up here at the end of service. And just the big old alligator tears, man. The Lord's all over them. And still this week is a talk with them, man. It's just a, a beautiful thing when God moves in people's heart. I know he is moving. So today we enter into to chapter 5, and the title of today's message is Wait. Wait, and the subtitle is Trusting God's Timing, because that's what waiting is all about. Can I just be honest with you? Wait 
And when you're talking about spiritually waiting, as we're going to see Esther, it's about trusting God's timing in something. You know, so quickly, so easily, we want to jump into our own timing. And, and, and we want to just take the reins ourselves and, and, and control things ourselves. And when we do that, we run into a big danger. And that's jumping ahead of God. You see, we live in this high-paced society. And we had this message, you know, a couple months back in our, our Barrier Breaker series about slowing down and, and how we have this high-paced society. And because of that, because of this microwave kind of got to have it now, don't want to wait in line, don't want to wait in traffic, don't want to wait for downloads. Come on, we got to have 4G ain't enough. I got to have some 5G, you know what I'm saying? I got to have some LTE, whatever. Come on. Guys, we're spoiled. We are conditioned to not wait for anything. The problem is that is the polar opposite of what we're commanded to do spiritually. So if we're not careful, we can take our fast, high-paced American society, got to have it now, got to have it my way, in my time, and when I need it, got to have it. And if we take that and put that in our faith before God, we're going to mess up. We are. We're going to mess up. And we're going to get ahead of God. And yet God's still faithful. He's going to do something anyway. But it's not going to look the way it could have had we waited and just trusted him. And we're going to see that here today because we know waiting is hard. Waiting is not easy. And waiting sometimes, the enemy wants to get in and create doubt. Doesn't he? Man, when we're waiting on the Lord, and sometimes, I mean, we've talked about this whole book about God seems silent, his name's absent in this whole book, but he's not. He's at work through every step of the way. How about you in your life where you're waiting on something and you think God doesn't care and God seems absent and he seems silent? He's not. He's right there, but he's doing something. He's at work. Do you trust that? Do you really trust that and know that? Because here's the thing. We're going to see that God wants us all to enter into some weight training. W-A-I-T. Because he, through it, he's going to make us stronger, and he's going to do a work through it that would not happen without it. But will we trust him? Will we wait and know that he's at work? Let me pray for us real quick before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, the gift of your son, God in the flesh, the spotless lamb whose body was broken, his blood was shed, Father, that so we could have life. Lord, the just dying for the unjust. Lord, you took the penalty and the, the, the pain that was due us because of our sin. Lord, you put it upon yourself. You paid a price that we couldn't pay. Lord, to set us free, free from the penalty of sin, free from the bondage of sin but Lord, never free to sin. Lord, you've called us out. And Lord, help us, Lord, to continue to say yes to you, whatever that is. So Lord, as we come before you now to continue worshiping you, I pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds for your word, that we would receive your word with openness, with a yes on the table, with no doubt, with no, not even an inkling of an idea saying no or resisting. But Lord, we would say yes to you even when that means that sometimes we have to wait. We have to wait for your timing and let you go before us and trust and know always and continuously that you are at work, no matter what the circumstances look like or no matter what the outcome may be, Father, that you still are sovereign over it all. 
And Lord, I pray that you would move and speak and change us, Lord, from the inside out, that we would leave here different, with a different perspective. Father, on maybe whatever we're going through now, or whatever we may face and go through in the future, we would have a different perspective because of your word today. Lord, you get all the glory for everything that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so copy of God's word. I hope you have it. Esther chapter 5. And we're going to start by reading verses 1 through 8 here. So you can go ahead and turn there. And as we've already stated, we've said it numerous times and just said it again, that in this entire book of Esther, the name God, the word God, is not present. There's never a mention of God anywhere in this entire book. Yet his hand is so adequately evident through every single page of this book. And we're about to see that because we just saw that we ended chapter four with Esther saying, all right, I'm going, but we got to pray first. We got to fast and pray. Do you remember that? That's how chapter four closed. So now we're going into chapter five. And what we're about to see is God's answer to a prayer and a fasting heart that he goes before Esther and starts moving in ways that only he can get the credit and glory for. Chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is where it gets good, guys. All right? I'm telling you, man. There's some good stuff in here. Some people just read this book like one lump sum story. Oh, Queen Esther. Yeah, no, no, man. There's some life lessons in here, every single part of it. And I hope you've been getting that already. And we're going to really get that today and the next few weeks as we go through the end of this. There's some good stuff. Don't miss a single week. If you've got vacation plans, cancel them. All right? So, all right. Here we go. Thanksgiving's on Thursday, man. What y'all got to do? Just come on back for church. All right, so here we go. Verse 1, let's read through verse 8 of chapter 5. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, across from the king's house, while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. So it was, when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, that she found favor in his sight. Oh, come on. Mm. I love the Bible, man. I'm telling you, God's at work. She thought she was going to be killed. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. God's at work. So Esther answered, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, bring Haman quickly that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. At the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, what is your petition? It shall be granted you. What is your request up to half the kingdom? It shall be done. Then Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet which I will prepare for them. And tomorrow, somebody say tomorrow. I will do as the king has said. Wait. All right, here we go. So we talked about last week. In chapter 4, that when every mission, every calling that leads to a mission that God gives, it starts with a problem. 
There's a problem that needs to be addressed. That problem develops a need. Inside that need, God's going to give somebody a burden. What burden has he given you? When you see a problem, when you see a need that there is spiritually in in, in missions here, overseas, whatever, God's going to give you a burden. And then he's going to give you a calling. Here's the turning point that we saw last week that we see in our own lives. When God gives you and I a calling, we can say yes or no. I wonder how many times that we've run like Jonah from a calling that God had. I ran. I ran for two years from this right here. Knowing what God wanted, and I was like, no, God, you've got the wrong cat. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. I'm a physical therapist. I can rehab your shoulder. I have no clue how to plant a church. I'm a physical therapist, by the way, for those of you who didn't know. What do you mean rehab a shoulder? That's what I went to school for, for seven years of college. And he got called out of that to this. And I was like, no, uh-uh, and ran. So, guys, that means we could be two years ahead of here if I'd have said yes. So, you know, <laughs> by already being a building, I don't know. Anyway, but I have to trust that God knew that I was going to do that. And in that process, that there was also some strengthening happening that he needed in me before it, it took place. I don't know, but we can always trust to know that God's sovereign, no matter what. But God gives a calling, and then when we say yes to that calling, there's a mission. And God sets us on that mission. So we see that here in Esther. There's a problem that's arose. There was a need. There was a burden that was given through Mordecai to Esther. There was a calling given, and then there was a mission set in place. And that happens to us always. So, verse 1 says on the third day, we know that chapter 4 ended saying that there was this fasting going on before she was going to go. It says, so now it happened on the third day that Esther put her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace. Third day what? F- after fasting. Remember? They were going to fast for three days. Her, she got everybody else to fast. They were all going to fast for three days and then she was going to go. So I want you to see that. She took the chance to put God first. Guys, I'm going to tell you, nothing of eternal significance ever happens apart from prayer. That's Dr. Jerry Falwell's quote. I heard it time and time and time again, and I can tell you I've seen it played out in my life and other people's life time and time and time again. I've said nothing, nothing of eternal significance. You want to do something for God? You want to step out for the Lord? You better get on your knees first. You better just be prostrate before him. Be like, Lord, I'm nothing. I can't do this without you. I'm totally dependent upon you. And when we do that, God shows up. God loves a humble heart. God loves a heart that's like, I'm telling you, that's why God, I feel like so many times God calls people that aren't qualified to do great things. Why? Because then the person doesn't get the glory, only God does. Man, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Maybe God's called you on a mission that you don't feel qualified for. That's right where you want to be, baby. Totally dependent on Jesus. Now, there might be some exceptions to that. You say, God's called me to sing on stage. But if you can't sing, you know what I'm saying? There's talents and ability, too. I mean, you don't want to be like American Idol the first few weeks. Okay. But, man, God gives you what you need to fulfill what he's called you to do. He'll do it. All right? So these first three days, she fasted, and then day three, she robed up 
and went. What is she going into? Potential death. I want you to think about that. She's going into potential death and she knows it. She's not supposed to go before the king if she hasn't been called. And she hadn't been called in 30 days, chapter 4 said. And she walks up in there anyway. You know what also fasting did during that time? I believe it prepared her for God's timing. I believe it prepared her for what God needed to do for his faithfulness to be brought forth and delivering his people. Whatever that looked like, she was going to trust God for it. In other words, she was going to put her eyes on Jesus and not the storm. Can we just say that? As we enter into a a calling and a mission, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus and not the circumstances around us and what things look like. I believe there was a brother named Peter that did that. You know what I'm saying? And what did he do? When he saw Jesus and, and he stepped out of the boat, trusting in faith that it was him, and he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was good. But when he took his eyes off Jesus and put it where? On the storm, what happened? Sank. Guys, what's the storm? The circumstances around us, the things in this life that don't look good, that don't look favorable, that aren't like what we would plan or how have we written it out? Guys, how many times do you and I get our eyes on the storm, though? I do it and you do it. And we wonder why our faith suffers. And we wonder why we don't step out and do great things for God. And we wonder why our families are suffering. And we wonder why our churches are weak. And we wonder and we wonder and we wonder. It's because we keep our eyes on the world and our circumstances and not on the one who's sovereign over it. Amen. Guys, I'm going to tell you, that's just as hard for me to do as it is you, but we've got to do it. We've got to do it. And you know how we do it? Through the strength of the Spirit of God by digging in His Word. His Word will strengthen you. You have to memorize Scripture. You have to. You have to have the sword of the Spirit to go into battle. The major offensive weapon given in Ephesians chapter 6 is the sword. It's the word of God. And if you and I think we're going to take on what the, what the world's going to come against us with and what the enemy's going to fight against us with when he realizes the mission God set us on, if we think we're going to do that apart from knowing his word, we're sadly mistaken. Sadly. We have to memorize scripture. Get you a sword, baby. If you're going to go into battle, will you go, go out there just no, no weapon? Uh-uh. Give me a sword. Here's yours. Like Gatorade said it, is it in you? (laughs) Oh, because if it's in you, mm, I got a sword. I feel a little more brave. I feel feel a little more bold. I don't feel as vulnerable anymore. How about you? And then I love this because on day three, not only did she put God first and she depended on him, it's a beautiful example. When day three was it, it wasn't like, okay, oh boy, oh, this is a big time stuff. Let me think about this for another day or two. Do I really want to do this? Uh, do I trust God or not? Uh, no, day three, what? We're robing up, we're going in. Ooh. Guys, that resolve that we saw in chapter 4 after Mordecai gave her that charge, man, and, and she was like, okay, y'all, I'm doing it, and I don't care whether I live or die. She acted it out in her actions. How many times have we seen people say with their words something, but they never follow it up with their actions? We have just seen Queen Esther match what she said with her mouth with the actions of her feet and her face. 
going in at all cost. It was almost like, cover me, I'm going in. So what did the prayer and fasting do? You've seen military movies, and when somebody's getting ready to charge a little farther, a little deeper into enemy territory, you have some people, they they still say, cover me, I'm going in. And so they get up in the fire, and the guy just kind of, right? (laughs) That's what Esther did. Let's fast, let's pray. Cover me, I'm going in. Oh, that's military stuff right there. Talk about Veterans Day. I'm on that, I'll fire somebody up in here. Love it. Cover me. Let me give you a football analogy for that. Because <laughs> I played running back back in the day. I'd break a hip now if I did it, all right? But sometimes you had to run the ball up the middle. The two hole. I don't know if you know this or not, but football players can count. So they would number the, the holes in between the linemen, all right? And it designated where the ball goes. So if you had to run the ball up the two hole, that's between the center and the guard on the right side. And you're heading right straight into a, maybe a nose guard, a defensive tackle, and a linebacker. And boy, when you're running up in there, you can't go like this. Can I just say that? You're going to get your helmet knocked off. You're going to get put out of the game. So when you go through the two hole, it's got to be cupped and committed, and you've got to be low, and it's got to be full speed ahead because you're hitting something hard, and you can't be timid. Guys, that's what Esther's doing. It's day three. We fasted and prayed. I'm prayed up and ready, and I'm going in, and I'm not tiptoeing. Mm. Esther showed faith in God that's lived out in her courage and her willingness to appear before the king where she could lose her life, all to answer a calling and to complete a mission from her Lord. Boy, that puts the so-called persecution we think we face for following Jesus in a whole different light, does it? Because we're not asked yet in this country we live in, for our calling and our mission to cost us our life yet. Not continuously, anyway. But that day's probably coming. And it already happens all around the nation. It does. And we just won't follow God because we don't think it's popular. So we might get made fun of or unfriended on Facebook or not invited to the party. Lord, help us. This took special courage of Esther because King Xerxes didn't have a good reputation with how he treated people when they weren't called. And he didn't have a good reputation of how he treated his queens either. They were no exception. But Esther went anyway. Verse 2. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And you see God start to go to work right there. Do you see that? Well, he had every right to be fired up, mad. He hadn't called this chick in there in 30 days. And she just walks up in there. Like, who do you think you are, girl? <laughs> but God, because they sought the Lord in fasting and prayer, went before them and was granting favor. God was at work. God was at work. How's God at work today on what you're going through right now. 
or maybe when you don't see it, and maybe just maybe God's starting, if you step out in faith and trust in him, and you put just a little bit of a, a sacrifice and surrender on the line for his glory, maybe he's going to grant you some favor and something. If you put him first, if you humble yourself and seek him and trust him and step out. I think it shows great tact also because here this, as as we see Queen Esther get this favor, she doesn't just blurt it right out of her mouth what she went in there for. Here's what's on my heart. Good. I'm glad you got me some favor. I got a, I got a bone to pick with you. You signed this decree because it, you know, uh-uh. She didn't do that. It's not what she did. She went in with humility and trusting and waiting on God to go before her. And we're going to see that because God's going to move, not just in this chapter, God's going to move in the next chapter, and God's going to move also in the chapter after that <laughs> in a way that only he can get the glory for, for all this. So she's granted this favor, and we see this in, in verse 3 as well because he says this saying that's going to be repeated a couple more times, one more time in this chapter and, and again later in another chapter, and he says, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom, okay? So as we look at this, this is probably more of a, a proverbial expression than it is a literal offer for half the kingdom. In other words, he's saying, I'm granting you favor, and man, I'm in a good mood. My heart's with you. I'm glad to see you. What well, you want, honey, <laughs> right? You got it, whatever you want. Boy, that'd be a perfect time. Okay. Right now, this is what I need. But she chose not to step out in her own flesh and timing and wait on God's. She chose not to get ahead of God because God has a plan to do something else. Besides, the, the favor is just a start. That's just a start. What God's really going to do is nothing short of miraculous in the next couple chapters. That's why I don't want you to miss. It's beautiful how we see God's favor start to work. And it had to be what they prayed for. Think about it. If you were going into something like this, you're going into a situation like this where you know that depending on a king's reaction, that you could be killed or your request could be granted. What would you ask for in fasting and prayer? Lord, please go before me and give me favor. Give me favor. Do you see that? That's the first thing she'd be asking for and praying for. And everybody, give her favor. Let, put her before in such a way that the king is in a good mood and he's like, welcome, he's glad to see her and he wants to give her what she requests. Oh my goodness. That's exactly what they had to have prayed for. We see the Lord start to part a Red Sea that didn't look like it was going to part in chapter 4. So verses 4 and 5, we see Esther sets this first banquet up. Because her request at first is, okay, let me tell you what my request is right now. To please the king, let Haman and yourself come to the banquet I've prepared for today. This is the first banquet because there's going to be a second, Okay. This is the first one, still waiting upon the Lord. So huge. So the king said, of course, bring Haman quickly, just as you say. 
So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. That brings us through verse 5. All right. Some say, and I don't, man, this is jacked up, man. Can I just tell you, not everybody that writes a commentary is right. <laughs> I mean, just because you have a degree and have some initials behind your name and you write a commentary doesn't mean that you're right. Because I've read some commentaries that said um, that, that this means that, that Esther was, was possibly scared and had some cold feet. She didn't want to do it at the first banquet, so she did it at the second. Bro, where did you get that? <laughs> the dude just, the, the big dog just said, I give you whatever you want. What's she got to be scared of? Nothing. She's waiting on God's timing. She is waiting on God's timing. Lord, when you say the time is right, Lord, you're doing a work in the king's heart. Lord, you're going to try to do a work, I believe, in Haman's heart and give him a chance to repent before this happens to him, what's going to happen in chapter 7. I believe God's trying to get to Haman, giving him a chance to repent. And she's not going to step before God to fulfill her own will, her own plan, and her own time. And she's going to trust on the Lord. Can we do that? Boy, it ain't going to make sense sometimes. Can I just be honest with you? It doesn't make sense. Like, Lord, what are you doing? Why wait? Why just give it to us now? I mean, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. What difference does it make today versus a year from now? A big difference. Because God's doing some stuff we're not privy to all the time at the, up front. God's doing not only a work in us and waiting, God's trying to do a work in other people that we don't know about. God's doing a work in the situation that we don't know about. God's doing a work in preparation for the future that we have no clue about got to trust him, boy. You got to trust him. Verse 6 through 8. Again, we've already said it. I truly believe her strength, her her resolve, her perseverance, her ability to wait come from her commitment to seek God first in fasting and prayer and not jumping ahead. I truly believe that wholeheartedly. Because that's how I know God works all through scripture. And that's how we can let other scriptures support this scripture, even when we don't see that specifically laid out and said, and God planned, God went ahead. So we saw that in, the, in Joseph, didn't we? We saw that in the story of Joseph when, when things happened that didn't seem like they were good, or, but we were privy to, but the Lord was with Joseph. Remember that? Sold into slavery, but the Lord was with Joseph, found favor with Potiphar. Potiphar's wife lied about him, gets thrown into prison, gets finds favor with the prison guard and the lord was with joseph remember that see we know that's how god works through these circumstances god's doing the same thing right here guys that's what god's doing and how much restraint did it take right here at this banquet now she's got haman in front of her it's one thing to have the favor of the king and then when you know you got the favor of the king and 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 you you bring the snake in How much restraint did it take for her not to act out in vengeance? Yeah, now that I see him, you know what, king? This is what I want. I want that dude's life. But she didn't do it. It's not what she did. Because vengeance is the Lord's. And the Lord's got to offer a chance, I believe, for repentance first. And basically going to let Haman hang himself in his arrogance and his pride that he doesn't want to repent. So she puts off the request for one more day, promising to reveal to the king this petition at the second banquet the next day. 
Guys, that's, that's quiet confidence with a backbone. Setting the stage. I, I know what's happening. I know and I'm trusting God. And I'm going to be quietly confident, not acting out in my own understanding, in my own flesh. And I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to have a backbone because I'm not scared. And tomorrow we're going to lay it all on the table. Guys, that's what's happening right here. And this type of confidence and having a spiritual backbone and trust in God only comes when we put our total dependence on the Lord. And our total dependence on the Lord only comes through complete and total surrender and sacrifice to him. Have you completely surrendered and sacrificed your heart, your life, your everything to Jesus? If you have, you can trust and know and walk in bold confidence in his plan, no matter what the circumstances are around you. That's what the Bible says. The righteous will be as bold as a lion. That's why. It's not because we're something special. It's because he is something special. And we can trust him and know that he's sovereign. That's where it comes from. That's what Esther has going on right here. So look, let's not miss this point. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Sometimes God's timing requires one more day. Sometimes God's timing requires one more day. (laughs) But it's not easy. It's not easy to trust him like that. To believe he's got everything together when it seems like everything's falling apart. It's not easy to trust God for one more day when, when when we're praying over our health. It's not easy to trust God for one more day when we're praying over our marriage. It's not easy to trust God for one more day when we're praying over our kids. But maybe, maybe just maybe sometimes God's timing requires one more day. That's weight training, W-A-I-T. And we're familiar with weight training in the weight room, W-E-I-G-H-T. Right? We get in there. We, what does weight training do? We know we, we try to, to, to get in there and we try to push just a little more weight, especially if you're trying to get stronger, trying to get bigger, trying to get stronger. You don't want to just do the same weight that you're used to over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Your muscles get used to it. They don't grow. Guys, we're just so comfortable in our Christian walk and faith. We don't want to weight train, W-A-I-T. And you know why we never get stronger? We just said it. Because we just push in the same weight over and over and over again. We never try to step out and stretch our faith. Step out in God's timing. Step out in what God's called us to do. Step out in the mission God's placed before us. So we remain spiritually weak. We plateau. God doesn't want you to plateau. And in order to get stronger, he's going to have to stretch you and push you. Will you let him? That's why having a spotter in the weight room is so important. That's why having a spotter spiritually is so important. Because it allows you to get one more rep. You got somebody behind you pushing you on. Come on, boy, don't you quit now. You got one more in you. But it makes a difference. You're like, yeah, I got it, I got it. I'm going to drop it on my face, but I got it. And you get one more rep. And you got somebody there to help you if you do get ready to drop it on your face. That's what God wants. So God wants you in, in contact and connection and in fellowship with a church. Amen. Stop church hopping and church shopping and anchor yourself. Amen. Anchor yourself. Get Dig in. Put your cleats in. Dig in. Get connected, man. I'm telling you. Makes all the difference. Because what weight training does, when you get that extra rep and you push that little more weight, you know what it does? It actually tears the muscle fiber. 
actually hurts a little bit, causes muscle inflammation and all this stuff called soreness the next day, right? From all that lactic acid buildup and all that, I ain't gonna get too fancy on you. But that soreness, once it recovers and heals, it's stronger for the next time you go in the gym for that next rep. And then you tear it down a little bit more again and it rebuilds and it's bigger and stronger for the next one. That's what God wants to do with you and me. Will we let him prepare us for what's next? Going to have to have a spotter, though. So really what you're doing when you wait, guys, we have to understand this. When God's called us to wait, because sometimes we're forced to wait. We don't have a chance. But what we're doing, essentially, is we're letting God go before us. Can we see it that way now? <sighs> Lord, help us. When, when we're asked to wait, when we're put in a position to wait, what we're doing is letting God go before us. That's what Esther was doing, is letting God go before her. That's what God calls us to do when we wait, when that extra day is necessary. Another football example for that. You ever watch a football game and, and, and you see the running back take off with the ball and there's blockers ahead of him? And have you ever seen this really fast running back slow down a little bit behind these big dudes and, and get tucked behind them? He could blow right by them. He's twice as fast as these guys. But get out of my way, boys. I'm coming through. Woo! <laughs> Why does he wait? To let the path clear, to let his blockers get in front of him so he doesn't just jump ahead of them and get hit in the head. So he lets the big dudes do the work and clear in the path so that you can come through free sailing and take it to the house. Guys, that's what God wants you and I to do spiritually. He wants you and I to wait. Let him go before us, the heavy lifter, the Jesus, the sovereign Lord, to go and prepare hearts, to prepare situations, to prepare ways, and to start to move the, the defense out of the way so that we can go through. Sometimes you got to wait. And here's the truth, man. When God's in it and you know he's in it, and man, and, and you know it's the right time to speak or step out or do whatever you're going to do, you can go through then with boldness and clarity. And, and here's something beautiful, guys. Man, and we got to get this. Can you get this? When we get this ultra-high definition, clarity view of God and his will for our life, when we get that and it's clear and it's not like statically, you know, like when you drive in the mountains and you're trying to listen to radio, guys, and you get like five or six different channels trying to come in at once. That's what happens when we're not close to the Lord. We start to get all these noises and fuzz and voices and we get so confused and we can't hear nothing. We hear five or six people doing stuff. Ah! But when we finally get close to the Lord and get in reception, it's perfect clarity and he's all we hear. All the other voices are canceled out. Guys, when you get ultra high definition clarity of God's will for your life like that, let me tell you what, boy, that's the sweet spot. And I've used this for a, a lot of people. I talked with Randy the other week about it. The, the, you talk about baseball. There's a sports analogy here. Forgive me. I just, that's, that's how small my brain is, I guess. I don't know. But they're, on a baseball bat, there's like... I can hit a baseball with a baseball bat, and there's a lot of places I can hit the ball on that bat and put the ball in the fair play, right? As long as it goes between first and third, I got a chance to get on base. And there's a lot of places I can hit that ball and make contact and make a play. There sure is. But boy, let me tell you, <laughs> there's a spot on that bat 
called the sweet spot. And when I put that bat on that ball in the sweet spot, that thing sails. That's where God wants you and I. There's a lot of places we can hit the ball and say, well, Lord, I'm doing your work. But I'm going to offer to you that there's a sweet spot, a place where God's truly at work going before you, and he's preparing a way to you can sail. And it's not going to be easy. Because when the enemy knows what you're stepping out to do, he's going to make it hard. He's going to make you want to quit and run away from it. He's going to want to make you tuck your tail and go. This is too hard. We did this wrong. Something happened. God's not in this. No, he probably is if it's a little impossible and hard. He probably is in it, actually. Don't run. That's the time to do some weight training. Get strong. See what God's doing. It's that HD clarity. Man, then we don't lean on our own understanding. When we know we're in that sweet spot, we know, that we know, we know. We don't go ahead of ourselves. We don't, we don't just try to jump out in front of God. We trust God. And I'm going to tell you, when that happens, we can endure some junk too. If you know that you know that you know that you're in the will of God, and you, if you knew that you knew that you knew you're doing exactly what God called you to do, you were exactly where God called you to be, and it was hard, would you endure it because you knew? Yeah, because what else you going to do? You're in the sweet spot. Every other place you're going to go is not the sweet spot, right? So if you know that you know that you know you're where God wants you, you can endure some junk because it's going to happen. It's going to come at you. Man, this is what I love. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 16, 9. I encourage you to memorize this. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Do you trust God like that? Maybe you're in a position where you've made plans for college and, and you've made plans for after college and what you want to do for work, or you've made plans for five, ten years from now. That's all great. God wants us to do that. Make plans in your heart, but continuously know and trust God to direct your steps, even if he diverts you off course from your initial plan. Trust him. How about Psalms 32.8? I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Oh, come on. I will guide you with my eye. Guys, he sees things we don't see. He sees the future. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Guys, wouldn't you want somebody like that guiding your steps? Then why do we try to get before him and ahead of him so many times? I've done it and you've done it. Why do we not trust him or even step out in the first place? We need to trust the holy God that's at work. And he wants to guide us, instruct us, teach us in the way we should go. And he's going to guide us with his vision. Therefore, we need to ask the Lord for unwavering courage. We do, because that means it's not going to be easy. If we're going to trust God like that, to, for us to lead us out into the unknown, to places we've never gone before, we're going to have to have some courage. Why? Because in your, in your journey, you have an enemy that wants to take you out. You have an enemy that wants to stop what God wants to do and what he initially called you out to do. He's going to want to make it hard every way he can. He's your accuser. He goes before the Lord every day, right? Do you know that from, from, from Revelation? Remember that? He's your accuser. He's before the Lord every day accusing you, asking the Lord for, for, for something just to jack you up, mess you up. And I believe the more bold you are in standing for God, the more continuously he asks God to try to, if he can uh, allow him to do something to make you want to quit. And turn around. 
I'm going to say it again because I've felt it every single week of this ministry. I believe continuously when God has set you on a mission and a calling and the enemy therefore then knows about it, he goes before you and before him every day asking if he can do something to just jack you up and make you want to quit. And I believe so many times the Lord says, yeah, go ahead, try to make them quit. It's a test. That's where so many times God may seem silent, like, Lord, what you doing? Why are you allowing all these bad things to happen? Why is this so hard when I stepped out for you to follow you in ministry and to call it? Why has this got to be so difficult? It's because it's a test. And tests aren't supposed to be easy. And the teacher's quiet during a test because he wants to see what you know. Do you trust him? Unwavering courage is necessary to follow what God's called you to do. Why? Because probably like Peter, once you step out to really do something for the Lord and stand on his word and stand on his truth in a world where like Paul told Timothy, there's going to come a time where people aren't going to tolerate sound doctrine. They're going to want their ears tickled. When you step out and preach the word of God in this culture that we live in today, brother, you're going to get torn up by people. You are. They are. Why? Because maybe, maybe, maybe just like Peter, Satan's asked to sift you like wheat, make you want to quit. So don't quit. But you got to know that you know you're right where God wants you. That's faith with unwavering courage. Let me say this, if you're taking notes too. Faith and courage is not the absence of doubt and fear. But faith and courage is moving forward in the face of doubt and fear. Faith and courage is not the absence of doubt and fear, but faith is moving forward in the face of doubt and fear. And let me be very careful right here, because we know James says, you know, you, you come before the Lord and you ask, you should not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a, a, a wave tossed to and fro in the sea, and that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So let me be, be very clear. By moving forward in doubt, it doesn't mean that doubt consumes you. If doubt has consumed you, then you need to step back and you need to have a... You need to strengthen your faith first, all right? But we're all human, amen? (laughs) And we all have those fleeting, woo, doubts, right? Woo, Lord, if you don't show up, this is what's going to happen. This is what could happen. I could lose my job. I could get killed before the king. If, uh, you know, I'm sure Esther had that. But faith and courage was stepping out, putting the robe on, and going into the court in the face of that, Amen? amen? There's the word. Let's read verses 9 through 14 and close us up here. That was the meat of everything. You're wondering, like, Lord, we ain't getting out of here until like 430. <laughs> no, we don't get out of here early now. <laughs> Esther chapter 5, verse 9 through 14. So Haman went out that day joyful and with a glad heart. Joyful from what? He's been in the banquet, man, with the king and the queen, right? So he, he went out that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate and that he did not stand or tremble before him, he was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. Oh, man. It's another God thing right there. And he sent and called for his friends and his wife, Jeresh. Then Haman told them of his great riches the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the officials and servants of the king. Where'd that come from? 
Moreover, Haman said, besides Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow I'm again invited by her along with the king. Yet all, his avail, yet all this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai and the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, let a gallows be made 50 cubits high. And in the morning suggested to king that Mordecai be hanged on it. Then go merrily with the king to the banquet. Whew. And the thing pleased Haman. So he had the gallows made. Wow. Miserable Haman. Miserable, miserable, miserable Haman. Just left the banquet with the king and the queen. And walks by this one cat named Mordecai that still doesn't want to pay him some respect and gets all tore up. This is an accurate description of how empty the rewards of this world are, guys. People like Haman are never satisfied. Never. He was just with the king and the queen, the only one invited. And he's going to forget Mordecai, man. Get over it already. You just work the king and the queen. Won't good enough. Why? Because his heart won't write. That's why. Because his deep-seated insecurity and need to be honored and approved by everybody would never make him happy. It was always going to be an emptiness. Guys, guys, that is the same message for us today. If we need the approval, the accolades of man, we are never going to be happy. Never. Or if you're letting some person from a past or a situation in your life cause bitterness in your heart, no matter what magnitude of joy the Lord wants to try to put before you, when you see or hear that person's name and it calls bitterness in your heart, it's going to tear it all apart. We can't let that destroy us. We've seen Mordecai doing that very thing right here. God meant for the hunger for acceptance in Haman and the hunger for acceptance in us to only be fulfilled in him. Can I say that again? God meant for that desire, that, that nature that's in us to all feel accepted, to all feel loved, to all feel honored. God didn't place that in us, so we look for it from another person. God placed that in you and me and in Haman so that we would find that total acceptance, security, and identity in him. Amen. But Haman wouldn't look there, and God felt like God was giving him a chance with one more day. <laughs> but would he listen? You see, Haman was looking for love in all the wrong places. How about you? Are you looking for love in all the wrong places right now instead of Jesus Christ himself, the one that loves you so much he laid down his life for you and died for you? Then verse 10 says, Haman restrained himself. This is another remarkable evidence of the hand of God right here. He wouldn't allow the fury of Haman right then to be acted on. Because the proper pieces had to be set in place before it all played out. And like I I said, I I truly believe God was offering Haman a chance for for repentance in this scenario, in this situation for one more day. How, How would you say that, Brad? Think about this. He knew Esther was a Jew by this time. He knew Mordecai was a Jew. He knew Esther was a Jew. He knew. He knew that. 
And what he just witnessed was Queen Esther requesting him to come to the banquet. She ain't said nothing against him yet. I believe this was God leading Esther to, like we talked about, let God go before her, do the work he wants to try to do before she pulls the trigger. I'm telling you, man, and that's what we see. I believe God was trying to say, hey, I, I, the very, one of the very people you just have hatred against in your heart has invited you and is sitting there and eating with you, kind of like Jesus did with Judas, and, and, but yet they're secretly hating you, and, and she knows it. She knows the decree by now, and she knows you're a part of it and did it, and yet she's offering you grace and mercy and eating with you. It's not calling you out. Boy, if that type of, of humbleness and humility and graciousness and mercy doesn't break a person's heart that's hard, nothing will. I believe God was trying to use that. He wouldn't let it because why? We see verse 11 and 12, his arrogance, his pride. He wants to talk about all his things and how he's the only one invited in. I got all this stuff. Materialism. I'm going to tell you, materialism at the heart of materialism is pride and arrogance. And it's sin. And we're never more like Satan until we're consumed with pride and a haughty spirit like Haman was. There was a football player years ago named uh, Terrell Owens. Some of you remember him. And I remember he was at a, uh, sitting down, he had an interview, some of the, doing a TV interview one day, and he was at his home or whatever, and the interviewers from ESPN or whoever come in there on him, and, and they were talking with him. And at the end, uh, the announcer, the, you know, whatever guy said, hey, hey, Terrell, man, said, uh, I see you're wearing a shirt, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm reading it, it says, it says, I love T.O. That was his initials, Terrell Owens, T.O. It says, does your shirt say, I love T.O.? And Terrell smiled real big in the camera. He said, that's right, Chuck. He said, I love me some me. <laughs> Guys, that's Haman. He loved me some me. How about you? Is your life all about you, and what you have and what you do and who you are and where you're going and who you know and who you, 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 you? You know, that's a popular false gospel in a lot of churches today is a you-centered gospel. It's all about you, you, you. Haman had that prideful, haughty, arrogant attitude. The Bible says a haughty spirit comes before a fall because he wouldn't humble himself and repent. Verse 13, man, we know, we see it right here. He's all tore up still about Mordecai as we get ready to close this out. And he says, it avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. You see, Haman's problem wasn't Mordecai. Haman's problem was his empty heart and his hardened heart. You see, he could take care of his Mordecai problem, but truth be known, he still was never going to be happy and satisfied. Because we know that, because he still hated all the Jews. There was a hardened heart that had been fed hate for so long, and he was brainwashed with hate and it hardened his heart. So this delay, I think, was an opportunity for God to show him otherwise through Esther, a Jew who wanted to love on him and, and bring him in, and he still wouldn't repent. And I think a Second Peter 3, 9 says, God's not slack in fulfilling his promise as we think of slackness, but he's patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And I see that played out right here. But the question is, will we repent? Because if we don't, we will feel destruction. Verse 14 closes it up. These friends and this wife of, of Haman said, you know what? If that's eating you up that bad, 
I want you to do something else. I want you to get this now. The decree's already gone. All the Jews are going to die. That includes Mordecai. He's already sentenced to death, okay? But that's still not enough for him because he's passing him every day and it ain't happened yet. So what did his friends say? Hey, you need to go before the king and tell the king tomorrow morning that you want to, um, you just want to go ahead and kill Mordecai. More than kill him, set up a gallow, a gallow, a 75-foot pole here, if you will, a pointed stake where they set people on top of, and I'm going to keep it PG, grab them by the legs and give them a good old shish kebab down on it and it come out through the net and hang there in disgrace in front of everybody. In other words, it wasn't enough just to be sentenced to die. He wanted him to be severely punished and just put in front of everybody in a violent, irrational way. That sound vaguely like a story about Jesus you heard? Crucify him. For what? He ain't doing anything. Give us Barabbas. Barabbas was the murderer and, de- and deserved the cross. Jesus had done nothing, but give us Barabbas. Crucify him. These were the same people that were saying Hosanna earlier in the week, and now they were saying crucify him. Make a spectacle out of him. It's not just enough for him to go to prison. Crucify him. Same type of hatred right here and disgust. But what we're going to see is things drastically turn on Haman because he didn't repent. God give Haman a chance, I believe, to repent. How about you and me? What chances are God, is God giving you, me, today to repent, to turn to him and total surrender? God's always calling. And I close with this. When's the last time you were still in your soul and you resolved in your heart to wait on the Lord's timing? When you want it now, when you don't understand, when waiting for tomorrow doesn't make sense, have you resolved in your heart to wait and trusting and knowing that God is at work and he's going before you doing something like I believe he was trying to do in Haman and is getting ready to go ahead and do in chapter six and seven that we're about to see. He's doing a work because of the waiting that only he can get the glory for. And he's making a way. Will you let you and I wait, let our blocker, Jesus, get in front of us to pave the way so that then we can carry the ball of the gospel behind him. Don't get in front of him. And wait. But waiting's hard. But it's important because he's at work in ways we're not aware of. I'm reading three scriptures as we close Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run, not grow weary. They will walk not faint. I want you to think about that. Those that wait upon the Lord will soar. You can run the race set before you and not faint. You can walk in the calling that God has given you and in the mission and you won't grow weary and you won't faint. How about Psalms 27, 14? It's why we called our 
rental facility we've had the past year, the weight room, W-A-I-T. Every time we say weight room, we're like, I don't want to lift weights. You're like, no, you're not lifting weights. It's called the weight room because it's our, our stance on Psalm 27, 14, that God has us in waiting and he's about to do something, meaning he's about to put us in a tool over there to share Jesus with people, with this community. It's a missions building, okay? Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Doesn't take a theologian to figure that one out, does it? Wait for the Lord. Look at the person beside you, tell them, wait for the Lord. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're getting ready to go through, but God does, and he wants you to know, wait for him. Be strong, take heart in him, and wait. What is waiting? Waiting is a joyful expectation with peace concerning the days to come. It's a joyful expectation with peace concerning the days to come. Because why? Because your hope is given in Jesus, and he's not going anywhere. He hasn't surrendered authority to nobody and never will. He's sovereign. So waiting can give you courage in him because he's your hope, and he's faithful to give you the strength that you don't have. And I totally close with Isaiah 60, 22. It says, the smallest family will become a thousand people. The tiniest people will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. At the right time, I, the Lord, not you, not me, in our time, and not in our time, and we can, no, 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 no. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. What are you waiting on and trusting God for? Be encouraged today. At the right time, he's going to make it happen. Let's bow your head and close your eyes. wonder if there's anybody in here today. You just might be honest and be like, Brad, I've been in a season and a period of waiting, and it's not easy. It's hard. And God's word just encouraged me today, and I need prayer for his courage, for his strength to wait. And I'm going to trust that God's at work and he's going before me and I'm going to wait on him and his time and I need you to pray for me. If that's you right now, would you raise your hand in this, pray, in this place? Whatever that is. It could be health, financial, relational, spiritual, whatever. Amen. I wonder if there's anybody here today, you might say, Brad, you know, the first thing, you talked about courage and it, and it, and it follows surrender and sacrifice and I'll be honest, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. Maybe you're honest. You say, I've walked in and out of church doors. I, maybe I've even, I, I flipped up a prayer and shed a tear one day. But man, I, there, was, there was never any heart surrender. There's never been any change in my life. And today I'm broken. God's tugging at my heart. And I want to surrender all to Jesus right now, Lord. If that's you, I'm going to offer you this opportunity right now to do business with God. And I am going to lead you through a prayer where I want you to surrender to God. And I want you to trust to know it's not a magic prayer. It's not magic word. Just because you say this prayer alone doesn't save you. It's Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So in other words, that prayer, that business with God does mean business when your heart is in the right posture of commitment and trusting and surrender all to him right now. Would you do that? Maybe that's for the first time, or maybe you might say, Brad, I need to do that right now and rededicate my life. It was a time where I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I was on fire for him, and God was working in my life. But lately, man, life happened, and I've drifted, and I've ran, and, and I've, like, like sheep, we've all gone astray. And like the prodigal son, I want to come running back to Jesus today, and I want to rededicate my life. 
If that's you, I want you to do business with God right there today and rededicate with this same prayer. So to receive him for the first time at surrender or to come running back right now in rededication to say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. And I'm in need of you, my Savior. Lord, I'm tired of doing life on my own and in my own strength. And I need you. And I surrender all to you right now. I come before you now as a holy God, and I say thank you for sending your only son, Jesus, to die on that cross, to pay the penalty that I couldn't pay myself. And his body was broken and his blood was shed that I could be forgiven. And Lord, I fall under your grace and mercy right now. Thank you for the cross. And Lord, thank you for raising him from that grave three days later, and there's an empty tomb that screams out victory. And Jesus is alive, he's not dead, and he stands in all victory over hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want to walk in and claim that same victory right now in my life, Lord, I need it. My family needs it. So Lord, my commitment to you is from this day forward, every step I take and every breath I make will be for your glory and your glory alone. Lord, thank you for saving me. If you did business right there with God for the first time or you rededicated your life, would you boldly, unashamed right now, just raise your hand and say, Brad, I did business with Jesus, I'm not ashamed. God's at work. And man, you put your hands down. If I don't see you, God does. We're going to close our service like we do every single week here at Impact. I'm just going to offer you an opportunity to put action with your feet to whatever God's doing in your heart. So right now, let's stand to our feet. Let's sing with all our voice, but let's sing with all our heart. And right now, whatever it is, let's come as the Lord leads. Maybe you made a decision for him. Come. Maybe you need prayer over a, a loved one, a health report, a situation going on in your life. Come. Maybe you need to pray over a lost loved one. Come. Maybe you need prayer over joining the church, getting plugged in. Come, whatever it is right now. Just come.
on me. He's getting our hearts and our lives right before him because he's giving us a calling. He's setting us on a mission, guys, and we're going to charge the gates of hell with a water pistol if we have to, all right? Because I'm going to tell you, God's faithful and he's at work, man. I love you guys. I love this church. I love what God's doing. If you have a chance to just watch this video real quick on the progress of the land and the building, I'm going to tell you this is not just, again, I'm going to say this a hundred times, this is a missions building. This is not just a place to have church on Sunday, lock up, say, see you next week. If that's all we needed, we're cool right here. Can I just be honest with you? And this is way cheaper and easier than com commercial development. Can I just tell you that? All right. But we're doing that for a tool to reach people for Jesus. And that's why 